The Holy Gospel according to John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may become, you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let us pray. Generous God, we thank you for your presence with us. As we gather this morning, we are reminded of the times we have doubted and feared. Banish our fears with the memory of the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and make us confident that you are alive. Remind us that through all our troubles, doubts, and fears, that your power and mercy and love are with us. This is our prayer offered in the name and spirit of Christ. Amen. This week was such a change of pace from the few weeks before last Sunday, it almost seems like Easter was more than just seven days ago. Remember back in 
February when we began the Lenten season, and we began those 40 days of introspection and soul-searching, reflecting and preparing ourselves for the suffering and the death of Christ, knowing with hope-filled anticipation that we would celebrate the resurrection. Easter finally arrived, and we exuberantly proclaimed that Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. And now, one week later, no lilies lining the aisle, no brass ensemble, a fraction of the attendance that it was last Sunday. Our Easter outfits are hung in the closet. The chocolate eggs and the jelly beans are mostly eaten, except maybe for the green ones that I don't care for. And then the Easter leftovers, gone by Friday. We could feel sad, maybe even disappointed, because we traveled that long journey of Lent for really just one day. And we know that no, we did not. Not for us, because Easter is not just one Sunday. Easter is a season that lasts for 50 days, 10 days longer of celebration than introspection that we did during Lent. It's the season that we know as Easter Tide because we live by a different calendar, because we have a different story to tell. And this story shapes our lives. John's Gospel today helps tell that story. It's Easter evening, and the disciples and other believers, as you heard, are locked in a room, still stunned by all that had occurred the past few days. The promises that Jesus had made now seemed to be empty words. The one whom they trusted and had risked everything for was dead and gone. Fear, doubt, and confusion prevailed. Although the doors were locked, and as they sat there in the midst of their despair, Jesus came and stood among them. He immediately offered them peace. Then he showed the disciples his hands and his side, unmistakable evidence that it was him. And Jesus informed them that he would be sending them out of that locked room into the world to forgive sins. He empowered them for this mission by breathing the Holy Spirit on them and in them. To say the disciples were overjoyed with Jesus' presence is an understatement because it was with this encounter that they knew beyond the shadow of any doubt that the risen Christ standing before them was indeed the
the crucified Jesus. Then our text fast forwards us to a week later and again the disciples were gathered in a room and this time Thomas was with them. We don't know exactly why he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus first appeared. Perhaps he was so devastated that he isolated himself from his closest friends to try to make sense of what had happened. Like everyone else witnessing Jesus' crucifixion, Thomas's world had been shaken. Everything that he believed up to that point now appeared to be crashing down upon him. For the past three years, he had been a follower of Jesus, and now that Jesus was gone, he was uncertain what meaning his life would have. In his deep grief and sadness, Thomas needed what the other disciples had already experienced. And that was to see the risen Christ with his own eyes. Sadly, Thomas has been known for centuries as the one who doubted rather than the faithful one who just days earlier was willing to return to Judea with Jesus, believing that he would die with Jesus by the hands of the Judean authorities. I admire Thomas for being vulnerable, verbalizing his doubt, for by expressing it, there was room for his faith to be strengthened. When Jesus appeared to Thomas, he offered him the chance not only to see his wounds, but to touch them. Even though scripture does not let us know whether Thomas actually did as he was offered, we do know that his faith was strengthened when he proclaimed the ultimate confession of faith, my Lord and my God. I believe that it is deeply significant that Jesus came to his disciples and ultimately to us with the wounds of the crucifixion still in his hands and side. The resurrection did not blot out the scars of Jesus' suffering. Jesus bore in his glorified body the marks of his suffering on his resurrection body then, and Jesus always will bear those scars. An author of old, Philip Yancey, very eloquently pointed out that Jesus' scars showed us all that the pain of humanity became the pain of God. Jesus' resurrected body bears the scars of his earthly existence 
just like we bear the wounds and scars of our lives. Christ's scars and our scars connect us together and shape us. When we experience feelings like pain, sorrow, fear, inadequacy, often our human response is to question. And it is Thomas who shows us that it is okay to doubt, to question, to be skeptical, to not know, to not understand, yet want to experience Jesus just as Thomas wanted his own experience with Jesus, so do we. And here's some good news for you. Because just as with Thomas, Jesus will come to us. Jesus will meet us where we are, whether it is at home, in our garden, at church, in the grocery store, Jesus comes to us and is with us always. Not only in our good times when we know that we are blessed, but in our doubts, our fears, in all that keeps us weighted down by the circumstances of life. Thomas's vulnerability gives us a glimpse of one way that our faith may be strengthened and how we can live more fully into the greatest mystery of our faith, Jesus' resurrection. A colleague of mine, Joe Uha, once said, for without room for doubt, without room for questioning, there is not room for growth. Peace be with you. Through God's grace shown in Christ, the resurrection whispers hope to us. And the promise that through the Holy Spirit breathed in us and through us, God gives us the power to keep going. We are all wounded in some way, and we bear the scars of life on and in our bodies. And that is a common bond we share not only with Jesus, but with all of humanity. Be brave. Take a risk. Be vulnerable. There are authors today that talk extensively about vulnerability. And they tell us that being vulnerable is not a weakness. It is an action and measure of courage. For you see, the ability to be vulnerable is one of the greatest yet most difficult lessons that we can learn and that we can practice.
being vulnerable with one another, being vulnerable before God, being vulnerable with our family, with our closest friends is scary. But you know what? When you are vulnerable, you create an atmosphere for others to also be vulnerable. For God's power is made perfect in your weakness and God's power is made perfect through the scars of your life. It is easy to celebrate the resurrection in the empty tomb on Easter in an atmosphere of crowded pews, big music and the buzzing of excitement in the air. Yet it becomes a harder task and requires a deeper sense of trust to celebrate the resurrection in the midst of our ordinary lives. Easter is not over. Thanks be to God. The work of Easter has begun in our lives and in the lives of those we encounter. Christ's resurrection offers us life every day. His scars remind us of our connectedness to him and to others. Today, as you come to the altar to receive communion, I invite you to look up at the cross as you come forward. And then, as you kneel, hold out your hand and pay attention to the bread being placed in your palm. And be reminded of the marks of the crucified and risen Christ. Then receive Christ's presence in the bread and in the cup. We are Easter people, and that does not depend on how much or how little faith we have. And to echo Pastor Greg from his outstanding Easter message here on last Easter Sunday morning, the resurrection gives us purpose and meaning and direction. And I would add that even with our wounds and our scars, Jesus calls us to share the hope and the love of God and the life-changing power of the resurrection. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.